Man, I've been feeling Nathaniel Rayleigh for the night, so it's lately been listening to that one on my own time. Uh, Survivor, the name of the song, and it is on 1027 The Peak. Good morning. You're listening to the early show with Karis and Jeremy. Uh, I don't know, maybe living in the suburbs, I've never said, hey, I wish there were more corner stores. But I guess, uh, <laughs> Karis, you live in Vancouver, and there is a, a shortage of places to go to get a Slurpee and a uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup? Well, there, I remember seeing more stores on the front of houses and there's Whoa. well and there's some of them around yeah, like yeah. and this was a big thing in the early 1900s in Vancouver was you know you could build a store on the front of your house Whoa. and so you'd end up with you know a little neighborhood shop selling something whether it's like a little grocery store knickknacks or, or trinkets or yeah exactly or some yeah. kind of a service yeah. and and then in the late 20s that disappeared because it was not aesthetically pleasing. And I guess there were some, you know, there were some people who were like, I don't want there to be a shop on my neighbor's front lawn. And then they, you know, people got a little persnickety about it. And then it was outlawed in the city of Vancouver. But it really makes a lot of sense. And so it sounds like there's maybe some kind of a move in the city of Vancouver to think about like, hey, maybe we could try and, Think about rezoning the city again so that residential areas have, you know, there's an opportunity that if you wanted to officially make, you know, a little business on the front of your house that you could, depending on what that business is, yeah, yeah. I guess. Because I'm, yeah, I'm of two minds. I can understand someone wanting to be like, I want my neighborhood to be quiet when I'm home. Yeah. And then I can also understand people being like, I want to be able to walk to a shop to get coffee and not get in my car and drive. Yeah, exactly. Or even a little grocery store, yeah. even. So that's cool. Now, if they're tanning hides, I would, I would be, I'd be <laughs> yes. concerned. Yes. I personally love barbecue, but if it was a smokehouse, I could understand 
my vegan neighbor being like, nope. You know what I mean? I I live right next to you and your meat smoke is blowing directly into my face 24 hours a day. Yes. And this is a problem. That's right. I'm of two minds. I'm both a yimby (laughs) and a nimby in one body. Yes. And I I get it. And that that is the problem. So how would you find that balance, right? How would you have your your tannery in the (laughs) residential neighborhood? You know, I want to walk to get my leathers. How would you combine that with, you know, really the reasonable desire to make a business uh, out of your home? Because that is a really good sort of safe way to start a small business. It's it's a lot harder if you have to go rent business space somewhere away from your house. It's a lot easier if you can just do a startup in your in your house. I mean, didn't you know what well, Amazon started in a garage, right? Isn't yeah. that how Amazon started? And that, and that we love him now. So good. We need more. We need more of that. Uh, I think all of us want more walkable communities, yes, generally speaking. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm being facetious with the tannery, but uh, a no, coffee wa- shop, a bakery, a, a grocery, grocery store. store. Yes. The early show later with Karis and Jeremy. Sometimes all you need is a headline. Sometimes that is really enough. Good morning. It's the early show with Karis and Jeremy, 705. And uh, this headline got me. And I mean, I read the article because that's responsible. But here it is. Naturopath accused of using nephew's stool to make fecal transplants in basement apartment. (laughs) You got me. I'm in. Yeah, I'll click on that every time. (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and I kind of feel like this is a CBC article. I feel like the headline is almost enough just for just general enjoyment. But yeah, I also need to know more. Like now I need to really dig in and figure out, okay, why are we making fecal transplants in a basement apartment in Abbotsford? Hey, the CBC gets right after the the slug right after the headline is... uh... College of Naturopathic Physicians of BC, uh, you know, is investigating. Like they're yes. like, this is not normal. Yeah, no, this is not something that you're supposed to just be playing around with in your basement apartment. Yeah, so a naturopath has his um, home basement lab. Yes, uh, it's a poo his, lab. Is his poo lab. He has his nephews bring their stool downstairs where he freeze dries it, makes it into capsules. And then invites um, uh, people who uh, maybe have autistic children to go to Mexico and charges them $15,000 to give them fecal transplants. Yes, in in hopes that these fecal transplants will help with the autism in the children in Mexico. Yeah, which is, yeah, anyway, Health Canada uh, and the College of Naturopathic Physicians of BC is like, can you stop, please? We need to... Yeah, like, let's put the brakes on this. There's a lot of, you know, we have not gone through checks and balances. And, you know, like your nephew's just coming downstairs with what, like a sample. With the samples. And then your lab is in your basement apartment. Yeah. We have concerns. (laughs) We have so many concerns. The Early Show, later with Karis and Jeremy. Now, Karis, you were telling me what the naturopath, at first I was just, uh, flabbergasted that this was even a thing, fecal transplants. Um, But you said, uh, you were telling me that like gut health is related to a lot of health. Yes, it really is. And I think the the more that 
researchers look into this, they're finding that really our guts are very intimately entwined with how well our immune systems function um, and lots of things with our bodies and our overall health are tied to the health of our guts. So some people believe that perhaps you could manage and or cure or the effects of autism in that way? Yes. That, that's, that's what, what this person maybe is preying on. Yes, that's exactly it. Now, there have been scientific papers done. They've found no cor- no direct correlation between this specific kind of treatment in your gut with fecal transplants and helping autism. They haven't found any scientific correlation. But if as you were of, desperate, but if you were on des- the internet yep. was like, give me $15,000 exactly. and I and will feed you my nephew's pills. Exactly. And maybe there are some people who have taken it and feel like it has made a positive difference. You know, so then, then if you works. hear, yeah. you know, then you hear somebody saying, hey, I did it and it works, then maybe you want to give it a try, even though there are no scientific papers to prove it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. I just think if a guy is got, a, you know, yeah, I don't want to discount any of that. And the studies are ongoing. Now, this procedure is not been approved anywhere for. Not in Canada. Yeah. No. Um, but if this guy's making pills in his basement and then taking 15 grand from you and doing the procedure, you know, just outside Tijuana, that's where I would probably have concerns. Yeah. It sounds a little sketchy. But it sounds a bit. I'm a parent in that position, Brett, you know, then all of a sudden you're like, I don't know. I just also have, uh, friends who have children with autism and they're like, it's a thing like it's not a thing to be cured. It just is them. Yeah, yeah, that that's exactly it. But I think and not to say that autism is an autoimmune disorder, um, but a lot of autoimmune disorders can be tied to gut health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, it's just there's a lot that we don't understand about all the microbes in our intestinal tract and how that makes our buddies bodies function in lots of very sort of systemic ways yeah i guess if it was just like you know home basement fecal pill lab or you know getting the yogurt drink with the probiotics at the grocery store you know who's right who's wrong you know i don't want to be the judge of that i'm just saying what's right for me right i'm probably going to the dairy case at the grocery store yeah so you're not going to take now what you could do is you could take one of these fecal pills you could you know you could spread it in a smoothie you could have a strawberry banana smoothie and just sprinkle a little fecal pill in there you know i mean that's like how different is uh, that from your probiotic yogurt other than the fact that if it was mixed by some guy in his basement suite in abbotsford using his nephew's poo you know i quality control like yeah, what's I the would nephew need to eating know, yeah, right i would need to know more about the poop i guess you're right you know and in a smoothie helps the medicine go down. Totally. A smoothie helps with everything. Well, I know what's in a Hall's cough drop. I know, but it works, so I take one, you know. And okay. it tastes like lemon. Okay. Yum. Okay. Okay, guy from Abbotsford. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, you get a trip out of Mexico out of the deal, too, so that's cool. Sure. Um, all right. Next up, we're talking uh, this wild story I saw in Vice about a literary award that went to a woman who wrote a book called The Girl, which was beloved. It, it became a series. It just It's about, I mean, the author was able to just to tie in what it means to be a woman. And the author won an award, a million euro award. Karis, how many uh, man brains does it take to equal one woman brain? Ooh, 
well, it depends on what kind of a day I'm having, how I'm going to answer that question. <laughs> uh, if I'm having a bad day, 25. Yeah, okay, there we go, sure. I'll <laughs> if, if I'm having a good day, one. That was a very high, higher number than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Till Tuesday, uh, some classic alternative here on 1027 The Peak. We heard a song called Voices Carry. Um, okay, so this story is wild. It's out of Spain. Um, this There's like a literary prize, you know, they happen all over the place. And in Spain, they have this literary prize that play, pays one million euros. And so they invite up um, the winner of the prize. I got to find it here where it's at. They invite up the winner of this prize to collect the money. It is a, uh, a woman who wrote a very popular trilogy of novels in Spain. Like, they're hugely popular. People love them. Uh, Carmen Mola. And so when they call Carmen Mola up to get, you know, her million uh, euros... Three middle-aged dudes come on stage, and they're like, "Yeah, we're Carmen Mola. That was our pen name." Really? Yes. And they're Whoa. like, "Sorry for misleading everyone. Can you make this check for three hundred thirty-three thousand euros each and put our real names on and peace?" And people are like, "What?" <sighs> So nobody knew that nobody knew that this supposedly woman Carmen, author who wrote about women. The man, some of the uh, reviews of her books are like Carmen Mola just knows what it is to be a woman and the essence of womanhood in her books. They're so beautiful. It's written by three dudes who like worked together, like not even one dude, but like three dudes who like workshopped the novel. Really? Yes. Isn't that wild? The 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 you know at the back of the book, like who is Carmen Mola? It's like there's no picture, and it just says uh, the writer is a forty-something university professor and mother of three who greatly valued her privacy. That's all the bio is about her. But that's a lie. The mother of three of these three dudes. Whoa! Wild. And then people are like, "You did this to sell books," and they're like. They're like, we don't know the stats on whether a male author or a female author sells more books. They were like, we thought women changed their names to like J.K. Rowling because they wanted a masculine sounding name to sell books. They're like, wouldn't it be weird for men to have a woman's name to sell books? They were like, we just literally made up the name. We didn't think about it too much. The book took off. They were like, oh, my God, we got now got to ride this wave. And then they had to write more sequels. <gasps> but now everyone wants a Carmen Mola book. I'm like, there should be a TV show about this. There was a TV show called Younger about a woman who's 40 who pretends to be 26 to like work in the fashion industry. Yes. Because of ageism. Yes. And that was a wild tale. They got six seasons out of that. What about three, the three-headed dude? That, uh... <laughs> so this, but this isn't a Millie Vanilli situation. Like, this is... One, they wrote the book. Yeah, yeah, and the curtain got pulled back, and, oh, this is actually what's going on. Yeah. But they've written sequels, they've and written, the sequels have three been... books. They're all huge, yeah. It's like... A, okay. I mean, they won a, an award. Like, like of all books, they won the award for best book. Wow. And it was a million euros. And it wasn't until they were on stage, and everyone's like... Can't wait for next season of the award show. Like, what a cliffhanger. <laughs> exactly. Who's going to show up next? And so, like, what do you do? You're just like, do you still love the book? Or are you sort of like, that's not what I expected. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if you like the book, you like the book, right? I guess. The early... 
Hello, and thank you for choosing the peak. Hello. Hi. Hi, welcome to the program. (laughs) You just were so enthusiastic. I was like, is that a real person or a message? I get that all the time. I'm a real boy. (laughs) (laughs) We are real people. Hello, and good morning. Good morning. I just thought that crazy story you mentioned about the... um, Whatever. No it's like, yeah, three male authors yeah. who kind of workshopped the novel. They just chose what they thought was a generic name, Carmen Mola. Then the book became a phenomenon and spawned a trilogy. Yeah. So the first thing that popped into my head, well, this is maybe it's funny, maybe it's not. And then the serious stuff kicked in. But the first thing I thought was when you said it was three men writing as one woman, I thought, oh, my God. It really does take three men to do the job of one woman. <laughs> that was the joke I wrote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It takes three brand, three man brains to be one to woman one brain. woman book. <laughs> I, I thought, oh my god! And then I thought, no, that's not really cool. Like that. No, you know, it's not, just not jokes. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I'm a man. I'm allowed to write that joke. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, and I don't mean the joke wasn't okay. I mean it wasn't okay that they did that. Well, I guess that's the debate that people are having right now is like, uh, you know, how far does the pen name got to go? Yeah, Yeah. before... You're really misrepresenting what's going on. exactly. Because I guess where people were like, okay, maybe the pen name, like Carmen can be a androgynous name. Yeah. But it was the bio that got people to be like, well, now you wrote a bio for... A real person. Exactly. That's just deception. Yeah. And that's deception. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's one thing to use, like, a pen name, but then to actually create this fictional character, really, in the, the, the what do you call it, the book, you know, jacket, side story, whatever, where they talk about that, like, that to me is just misrepresentation. And, you know, if I want to buy, I don't know, a book to uh, learn more about, I don't know, uh, um, anti-indigenous racism i'm gonna buy a book from an indigenous author and so i'm gonna read like about that author and so i would imagine if i'm doing the same i want to read you know maybe about a single mother or a mother's experience or a woman's experience then i want to know that that book is coming from a woman like so it's a little little deceitful there that happened in canada with a book called uh, i think it's called three day road it's about like indigenous uh two indigenous men who uh join up with the canadian forces and fight in world war one they become snipers it is an awesome book i loved it the author misrepresented uh maybe just how indigenous he was and then uh, then there's conflict with the book right the book won yeah. awards yeah and the book can be great but it's about how it's gone about doing it like what's the what's the expression it's not the intention always it it can also be about the impact the early show later with karis and jeremy hello and welcome to gardening cannabis corner Hey, it's the early show with Karis and Jeremy, 926 on 1027 The Peak. And it's time to get the harvest, uh, get it get it off, the, get the crops off the field before the frost comes. Yeah, you need to prepare your crops for the long, dark winter to make sure you have just enough cannabis to get through to next planting season. That's exactly it. This is when we store all of our little nibbles and bites in our little cellars. But I was reading an article in the Vancouver Sun about optimal cannabis uh, curing and the way that you want to keep it in your home, ideally, so it is the most light, bright, and flavorful 
over the cold, dark winter. I think I just like that the Vancouver Sun's finally writing like real news. Yeah. And they just stop. They're just like, you know what? I don't think this fake news is going to work out for us. Let's write real news. And then it's like, okay, cool. How do we keep our cannabis crop optimal? Yes. When it's, you know, it's February. Exactly. Got to get it imported. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, if you've grown your own, you have to do all the harvesting work. But or even if you just buy it, say, at a store and it comes in that little plastic jar, that's not how you want to keep it. What? No, you don't want to keep it in the plastic jar. You want to keep it in an airtight glass container, optimally. Which is different than a jar. Yes, not plastic. Glass. Okay, glass, right. Glass. And airtight, so that's important. Out of direct light. You don't want the direct UV rays hitting it. That degrades it. Oh, yeah, that vampire strain. Hits a little harder. Totally. And the temperature should be between about 16 and 21 degrees Celsius. So you don't want it sitting over a heat vent in your house. That's not a good place for it. And double whammy as the mom of the house. When the kids fiddle with the thermostat, you can be like, don't touch the thermostat. Not because you care about money, but because you're thinking about your crops. Yeah. And we want it to be optimal. We want it to be light, bright, and fresh during the cold, dark winter months. This is a vintage alternative for you right now. It's The Cure in between days. It's on 1027 The Peak. The Early Show, later with Karis and Jeremy. The podcast. Holy moly, that is a podcast. That's it. That was episode 47. Cool. Whoo. Burrito. That yeah. was a wild show. Yeah, we uh, we talked a lot about the gardening corner, which is nice. I was like, Karis, why don't you just go to the cannabis store? That's not the point. That's not the point. No, the point is that you get out there in the dirt and you grow it yourself and you, you know, you go through all of the challenges that farmers go through with, you know, the weather. It's kind of, the- you know, it's kind of nerdy too, like, because you do learn a lot. You come to work quite often and you're like, hey, I, you know, we were learning on YouTube or whatever, like, you know, stuff. You're yeah, exactly. Cool. You like know the process. I think even if and, you know, if you were to buy it from the cannabis store, you will now appreciate what's in the jars. It doesn't come from some place. Someone grew it in No, you No, and you really understand what goes into what it. What was the text we got? We should talk about that. No, I was just trying to remember uh, that. It was... Uh, it was... Bovark? Bovac? Yeah, maybe give it a quick search. Like a, like a, It was like a, a packet that you get for cigars to keep the humidity at a certain level. And these little uh, packets, this guy sent in a message... It's for cigars, but it's for your cannabis as well. All sorts of products. Bosvark. Bosvark packets. Right? Yeah. And it was a product that's designed, yeah, to go like in cigars, in your cannabis, anywhere where you need to kind of maintain the humidity. The dude on the text line, I think it was Braden, said uh, game changer. Yeah, for storing the cannabis. And you're trying to get through this long, dark winter. Uh, you want to make sure that, you know, the flavor... And, the, and it's punching you the same way it does in November as it does in February. Yeah, you want the cannabis stores to remain fresh. And this is apparently the way to do it. So we, we love, we also appreciate the part of a gardening corner is, you know, people texting us in their tips too. So we're all learning together. Gardening Corner gets a lot of uh, tips and tricks, which I like. Yeah. We always get lots of texts. People are like, oh, I've got, you know, their method, which is super cool. And you can tweet at us, at Karis Hogg, C-H-A-R-I-S-H-O-G-G. Currently, her and her husband, Danny, uh, they've dried the cannabis. It is stored in jars. Yep. And 
Now it's time to let it, what are you doing? You well, you're venting the we, You have to burp it. You have to burp it for a while. You know, you sort of make sure you let some of that air out because you don't want it too moist, right? Yeah. You don't want it to dry right out, but you don't want it moist because then it can go moldy. So I think it's now at the, the optimal um, humidity. You know, it's not too dry. It's not too wet. Now it's sealed up and it's in the dark, in the Sleepy. coolish room in the dark. And now we're just, I think we're letting it cure, and then we're going to try it for the first time. What have you aged it in wood barrels like bourbon or wine or something, you know, and pick up some notes of rum or something? Oh, maybe. That could be the future. Yeah, maybe. You'd think if that was a thing, someone would have done that by now. I I can't believe I just invented that on a podcast, (laughs) but... You probably didn't, but let's go with it. Let's yeah, assume let's you did. Like, Great what idea. If we cellared our marijuana in a bourbon barrel, and it's like, and it picks up notes of chicory. Yeah, it's eight casket aged. Yeah, cannabis. Twelve year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I won't be able to wait twelve years. I'll smoke it before then. <laughs> no. All right, guys, we'll do this again. Oh, hey, no, my Twitter. No one cares. It, Jeremy underscore Baker. Yes, everybody cares. Zero people have tweeted at no, me. No, but and you know what? That listen, the, those potato chips are still up for grabs. You yeah. you tweet us about episode forty seven. We will hook you up with some free potato chips. <laughs> it's a thing. All right. Bye. See ya. Nothing can kill the grimace. All right, we're done here.